I believe everything you want in life is on the other side of deepening your self-awareness. And I'll make a case for that for investing, for the people who want financial freedom and passive income, and for the people who want a meaningful relationship with a spouse or be able to sell and start a business. I have a case for it. So come talk to me. <laughs> so I went all in on this. I was just yeah. like, who am I really? Mm-hmm. What do I really care about? How do I design a life around that? And I learned that so much of it is just trying the things that you're curious about. And I was like, I'm just going to start there. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast made to inspire you to create a life and business on your own terms. You'll hear candid interviews with people who have boldly decided to blaze their own trail, and the occasional solo show with me, your host. I'm Willa McDonough, on-camera coach, storyteller, and remote video producer. Five years ago, I moved from my home base of San Francisco to the coast of Portugal, taking a big leap into the unknown. Some called it courageous, I called it carving my own fucking path. Today I live in Lisbon and run a business that elevates your online presence, helping you show up confidently on camera to create videos that showcase your brand and personality so you can get more visibility and attract clients by being yourself. If you're just starting out in business or you've been doing it for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice and hopefully feel inspired by stories from people who have chosen the unconventional and sometimes messy path. And if you've been waiting for a sign to start carving your own fucking path, this is it. I'm so happy you're here. I have to say, you are really good on camera. Thank you. You are. And that's that's hard to do. Like not come across just more contrived or, you know, uh, scripted or whatever. I mean, it's been practiced over the years. And it's one of the reasons why we like our company focuses on what we do. My my co-founder and my best friend of 23 years, Mm -hmm. Scott Goriab. We geek out on communication skills, self-awareness, EQ, mm-hmm. and then yep. we love to direct that conversation towards entrepreneurship and sales. And in the beginning, we got feedback from people who were like, ah, oh, it's like a little vague, like communication skills, but people were willing to pay us for sales training and sales consulting. But now we have things in a better place where we're like, we're going to go all in on what we care about more. And that's more on the communication skills side of things through the avenue of deepening self-awareness and emotional intelligence. And that still can be pointed towards sales teams and how they manage their client conversations, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know that could also be any area of your life, right? Especially if you're going to carve your own fucking path in your career. (laughs) I I would not recommend a skill more than developing your communication skills for that. And so that's kind of full circle. Like when you're, when you mentioned like the camera thing was, I was like, I, I need to continue to develop this skill. It's also the area that I'm luckily just most interested in. Just so double down. Yeah, <laughs> double down and it shows. Yeah. So that's good. Welcome, Alex, to the podcast, Carve Your Own Fucking Path. You are president and co-founder of Evolve Leadership. You help people develop the skills to communicate better, but essentially hone the, the human skills necessary to be successful in today's modern yeah. world in life and work and in every day. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into your story. You struggled in your own career and trying to find this path that you felt connected to and aligned to. And, th- and through that struggle, you now are really passionate about helping other people do the same. Take us back to wherever you want to start in your backstory, yeah. which I know that's a long, a long, a big question. And I always give people, you know, just a minute to think about it if you want and start wherever you want to start. 
Yeah. Well, like we said earlier, I'll just wing it. I'll just pick a spot cool. and we'll just go from there. <laughs> Sounds great. But, uh, and thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate uh, you having me on. And also, I was really looking forward to this in particular. I listened to a number of your episodes and you have a great thank style, you. a great way about you. And so, so I appreciate being here very much. Yeah. You know, it's Evolve's mission is be the help you wish you had. And we look back we think about all these areas throughout our lives. I mean, more recently with our careers where we went through career struggles and we were like, where were these answers when I needed them? When I was having trouble getting clarity in my career path, you know, how, like how come we're not taught at an earlier age, like what career path to follow, but not only that, how we're supposed to figure that out. You know, the way you figure that out is through a process of self-awareness and self-discovery. Who am I really? What do I really care about? What are the things that I'm good at? What are the ways I like to provide value to other people? And instead, we're not, no one asks us those questions in middle school and high school, right? People are just like, I remember I was like really big into arts and, you know, I was like painting, drawing, photography. And I like was talking to my guidance counselor and he's like, um, you know, accounting is a pretty safe career. I'm like, I don't the see the connection. Boring thing. Okay. Like, yeah. all right. How'd we get there? So, but just like, you know, we're not, we're not taught these skills at an early age. And so the frustration of like, that's the help that I wish that I had when I was younger. And so now here we are fast forward to Evolve's mission. We want to be that help for other people. So we help people with the essential skills needed for success in their career. And then also when they're starting their business. And so for us, we, we would make the case that these human skills, communication skills, self-awareness, emotional intelligence. We believe that those are the most important skills, period. Okay. What about, listening? you know, and so like, it's, you know, you, I don't, I'm not trying to like put down any other job function, but if regardless of your job function, regardless of your career path, you need to be a strong communicator. If you're going to have a good quality of life, if you're going to influence any outcomes in your life at all, if you're going to build relationships with people, all of these things come down to communication skills. And then even deeper than that, understanding yourself, who are you really? And then also, how are you showing up in conversations and relationships with other people? The better you understand yourself, the better you understand others. Mm -hmm. And you're able to make that connection with other people. And so it's like, it's all on this more it's this deeper work that honestly is work that goes on on a regular basis for the rest of your life, I think. And everyone is, it's weird because people sweep it under the rug. Like, oh yeah, self-awareness, I'm pretty self-aware. So how do I make money quickly, right? It's <laughs> so like, true. it's uh, and, I'm, and we've all step. been there. Yeah. <laughs> we've all been there. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna sell online courses. And it, like, that didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to at all. Let me just ask you something. But, so when yeah. you say knowing who you are, if someone yeah. said to you, Alex, who are you? What would you, what would you say? Oh man, that's an amazing question. I've never been asked that. Who am I? I'm not even sure how to answer that, but I feel like I'm a unique blend of creativity and, and compassion and curiosity. And I equal parts I've always like almost had this internal conflict where I've been like a lover and a hater. And then like the hater side of me is really just unresolved issues that I have with myself. And a lot of times less to do with other people, but I can be like all kumbaya. And then two minutes later, be like this fucking asshole in traffic. Right. And so my sister will tease me a lot. Cause she's like, 
you're all like calm and peace and love some days and then other days like people piss me off but I think everyone's got a little bit of that balance but you know I think I in some ways I'm very very intense and in other ways you know quite calm and patient and I don't even know if this is the right way to answer this question it's really it's, it, it's really unusual but I, I love it I would I, I want to turn it back to you now but <laughs> I, I try to be a, I try to be more of an example than I used to be. And so I try to be this person who like walks the walk. So I am very curious. I like to learn about a lot of things. I have significantly toned my ego down. So if I talk to people who have opposing views to me, I welcome those conversations. I have plenty of friends where we disagree on things economically and politically and environmentally. And we're still friends because we can have like real conversations about that. I don't think three to five years ago, me was really able to do, you know, to do that. And so who am I? I feel like I'm like this never ending work in progress of like trying to be a better person and trying to connect other people, but I'm still conflicted with this like impatient, you know, frustrated side of me <laughs> when I see people like, you know, texting and driving and running a red light or something, it drives me nuts. Right. So I don't know. Who are yeah. you, Willow? Ooh, that's, I, I'm just going to, I want to echo a couple of things you said. Go for in it. The very big, big, the beginning. You said you're you know, unique blend of creativity and curiosity. I think those are the two words you use. I can really identify with that. And yeah. I also, the identity question is a big one because the who are you? A lot of the time we attach the superficial things, the title, the where we're from, those types of things that are just again, more surface. And so I really right. like that you went, you took that deeper, not yeah. surprised the work that you do is on that deeper level. And so that's, again, that's the unique approach that you're bringing to the world. Yeah. And would you say you feel that you're doing the same thing in your life and in your work? I'd like to think so. Yes. A lot of the work I do is working with people on camera to yeah. pull out their real self yeah. Which is, and I, I commented earlier on the, seeing you on video, I really think you show up exactly how you're showing up now and having this conversation is very comfortable. And also there's not a lot of, there's not a performance there. At least I don't think so. And that is yeah. something I found that a lot of people struggle with is this idea that we have to be someone else. If we're yeah. on camera, if we show up in, uh, I'm not a great public speaker, I should say, but that alone, you know, can cause you to change and be someone yeah. else. So I think, yeah. So I really love really so connecting true. with people and just just <clears throat> creating a space for them to be comfortable in showing up yeah. for themselves. You definitely do. I mean, I feel that. And I think it's a two-way street. I've, I've had conversations recently with people where, I mean, it was exactly like this and I just still don't feel comfortable and the old me pops up and I'm like, all right, just because this person isn't necessarily giving me the type of body language or eye contact or things that would show me that they are paying attention. Especially when you talk to people and they're like, I don't need to internalize that. Like I'm not doing a good job communicating. Cause I like the old me would internalize that. Like, Oh man, am I, am I wasting this person's time? Maybe I'm not that interesting. These answers aren't that good. And like, luckily through practice over the years, I feel like I am who I am. I'm going to provide the value that I can. I'm not for everybody. That's totally cool. And like, when I get that feedback, like the negative sort of feedback, cause I'm very sensitive and I'm very empathetic. And so if I don't get the sort of visual responses, I'm like, 
am I not doing a good enough job? I try not to do that anymore. But so you do an excellent job of creating a very like, you know, safe, comfortable space. Cause this feels like, I feel like I've known you for a while. I mean, I'm listening yeah, to your, some of your episodes helps, but like, yeah, so this is like awesome. We'll just talk for hours and hours. I'm going to cancel my meeting later. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I think you embody that as well. And I think if anything, my performance is trying to come back to quieting the noise of worrying about what other people think and just trying to connect with people. That's the same, excuse me, that's the same advice that I give to people um, when they're doing public speaking. For a while, I hosted an event called Founders Live. It's a happy hour pitch competition networking event for the startup community. It's a really fun event. It's global. I think it's in like 70 cities around the world, like all like every, you know, every continent. It's, it's really awesome. And so I'm still part of it, but in a virtual capacity, not live events. But anyway, so I did a lot of public speaking there and people would come back to me after, oh, you're, you're a natural, you're great up there. And I'm like, first of all, you don't see me talking to myself for hours every day. Like I would stand at the foot of my bed and pretend like the bed was the crowd. Like, so I practice, 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 talk to myself in the car, talk to myself all the time, practicing, you know, that sort of thing. But when I am on stage and this is my advice to people too, when I coach them on this is I just try to connect with one person at a time. And I just think about, I need them to get what I'm trying to explain right now. So I'm just transferring this right now. It doesn't even matter if it's as simple as like, guys, we're every first and third Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. I'm not looking at the whole crowd and then worrying, is there like a booger hanging out of my nose? I'm like just sharing with this one person that they know for sure we're every first and third Thursday at 4 to 6. Or the most important thing when it comes to developing self-awareness is that you could have a journal practice at night and you ask yourself these three questions. And while I just shared that to that one person in the crowd, I wasn't also nervous, is the rest of this room judging me? right? They can't happen at the same time. And so I just go from one person to one person. I just feel like I'm just talking to a couple of friends. Okay. And then you forget. Eye contact with one person. I, yeah, and that's then... it. Mm, okay. It's, it's crazy how simple it is. And, and so yeah. before that, if you're on stage, I would embrace the nerves and be like, holy crap, I'm about to do this. It's scary, but that's kind of cool. And then I just like own that for a second. And then it's, I just am talking to a handful of people and you okay. forget it's just, it's the weirdest thing. After a few minutes, you just almost forget that you're on stage. If you fumble over your words, it doesn't matter. No one knows what you're supposed to say next. Like I've literally looked back at the crowd and be like, where was I? Where did I leave off guys? Last slide. Oh yeah. So I want to also share that. And it's like, no, people aren't like, Oh, he's not that good. Right. Like no yeah, one, right. no one cares. So and you, you hit the nail on the head. It's practice. You're not yeah. just waking up one day or a lot of the time, I think we have social skills somewhat naturally, right? Yeah. We more social than others, but, but really, I think these skills of communication really are practice. I a hundred percent agree. They're totally right. practiced. They're totally, which is also like liberating because they're learnable, knowable, practicable. And so one of the things that I coach a lot of, a lot of my clients were, are technical startup founders. We're starting to work with bigger companies now and more like teams. We're like building out sales teams. We're also doing communication skills trainings for people who are not in sales, but they need to communicate more effectively with their other teams. It could be project right. managers, marketing, whatever. The, the reason I bring this up is a lot of people live into the old identity that I am shy. I'm not a people person. Or they say, well, because I'm an introvert. I can't, I'm, I might not be a good communicator, or, you know, social situations make me uncomfortable. I, a part, a large part of me is an introvert as well. It's not about that. And so it's, 
a practicable, learnable, improvable skill. And I like to just think about it as this and a lot of other areas of life. You're just out of practice. It's, it's not a big deal. Like if you never, like, I mean, just think of like, you know, Kobe Bryant out there practicing his jump shot for like thousands and hours, right? It's like he was in practice, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird that I gave a basketball analogy because I'm not even a basketball fan. But anyway, I feel like everyone knows him. So that's a good one, right? But it so, yeah. comes down to practice was, massively. Definitely. I just had like a LinkedIn post in my head that <laughs> was writing itself thinking like, yeah, because it's so many people say, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm bad at that. And, and you keep yourself stuck there. Exactly. You immediately capped the potential in that right there. And so the the way to reframe that is I'm just out of practice. So it's like, I'm not that good at sales yet, but that's only because my past experience, I was a software engineer. And so now I'm a, now I'm a a tech founder. So I'm going to practice getting good at sales because that's required for my business. Pressure's off. Not a big deal. As opposed to like, Oh, I've never done sales in the past. And like, you know, I don't like talking to people. It's like, It'll transfer improving your communication skills, especially if you're forced into sales. And the reality is every founder has to sell. There's no way around that. You're not going to hire the first sales guy or gal to build everything out for you. That person either costs a fortune or they don't execute. Like they're like, they don't like magically exist for a cheap 1099 paycheck. Okay. Like I'm just going to hire a salesperson into what process, my friend. So anyway, that's true. We're always selling ourselves constantly and and anything we do. So what do you say? How do you work with someone that says, I absolutely hate sales, but they have to do it. I'm trying to think of what that person would be. Would that be a tech founder? So it's a lot of people that I work with. Is it? Yeah. Okay. And so the first thing that I do is I help people understand that, well, when we think about sales, what do we think about? What are we attached to? And a lot of it is these cliches that are actually old cliches of what sales is, right? So if you say, oh, what do you think of when you think of sales? Everyone says the same four or five things. Oh, it's lazy, it's pushy, it's aggressive. You know, oh, used car salesman, insurance salesman. And by the way, those poor careers, like I'm sure there's really nice people doing that, but they just get beat up. Ah, used car salesman. It's like, there's some nice people there. But like, you know, they, yeah. but it's, and so it's true because they're like, it's the old way. And the reason why it used to be that way is because sales professionals held all the information. And so they could be that way. You needed to talk to them because they had all the info, but they also have a quota. And so they're going to be a bit more pushy in nature to get you to do things. So now it's the other way around. The customer has all the information. And so the sales comes in much later at the buying cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I've researched, I read reviews, I talked to friends, I'm on their Instagram and social media. I know so much about this company product or service. And now I'm coming down to the wire of maybe just two or three. And so then that sales professional needs to actually be. And then, so this is the next thing is you take a sales hat off and you just, and you approach it emotionally neutral, no needy attachment to the outcome of the meeting or the outcome, which is a sell. I don't have to sell you something. I don't know if we're even a good fit to work together yet. So I'm going to be here as a curious, empathetic, understanding person, which is just how you should be in your life for people. Mm -hmm. Crazy, right? What a mind-blowing thought. Be a decent person to people. And the way you do that is just by trying to get where someone else is coming from. But in sales, it's, Mm -hmm. can I just try to help this person solve their problems? And so maybe, maybe you can't, that's, Mm -hmm. it's really fine. 
But the more you know about your product, the more you know about your customer, the more, the more you understand your competitors. I'm not one of those people who like hardcore obsesses over their competitors. Like I, you just like to be aware of what they do. I, I'm not, that's just my style. The more that you could do that, the more you can educate somebody and lead them down a path that is ultimately working with you. So it's not like this total, like, oh, maybe they'll buy, maybe they'll not. It's like, no, no, no. You can tailor the conversation to like, give yourself a pretty good chance that they'll buy from you. Right. Like we're still being strategic here. We still have quotas. We still need to grow our businesses. So it's not like all just like hope for the best, <laughs> right. just but let go. just let <laughs> go. But, but yeah, but you don't bring a needy energy into like, this has to happen a certain way. <clears throat> but if you're educated and you really understand your industry, the product, you really understand your customers and they might say no to you. And you say, all right, well, just curiously, you know, why, where do you see that this might not be a good fit? Have you tried to do this in the past? And then you can actually educate them on why it actually is your product. Mm -hmm. And so okay. you could share, like shed light on things. Well, just, just to make sure you're aware this thing that you're trying to solve is this. And, and as it relates to doing that, we have more data points to show we've done this than somebody else. So, and they might, oh, I didn't realize that you guys also did that thing too. That's really important to me. Yeah. So I'm just educating you that these things are available that are ultimately going to help you solve your problem. Like as opposed to pushing features and benefits and not really paying attention to what the customer's communicating back to you. Yes. Okay. This is really random, but I just got back from Morocco. The, nice. the have, you, have you been? I actually have. I went surfing in Agadir. Oh, you did? Okay. But it was before so I was like good at surfing, so it was like kind of a waste, but uh, yeah. So that's where I was. I was surfing there. Nice. In, in close to Agadir. But the reason I just thought of it is because the pushiness there. Oh, yeah. Is insane. It's insane. And I love, and it was my third time there. So I've been, I knew what to expect yeah. and I love shopping there. Like for yeah, yeah. home decor. Very and cool. I just realized how, how stressful it was because I knew I was going to buy and I was going to spend money and, and, and all that. But as soon as the person turned attention and it was a, a push rather than a curiosity or yeah, it, it was immediately a turnoff. So that's an extreme example. And it's that's a different a example, yeah. world there, you know, it's all about negotiation and that's part of their culture, but it's, I mean, this goes with dating too. I mean, no one wants a needy, no. a needy person, but sales so is dating. Yeah, it is. And as it you, is not to be like really... corny, but like, you know, and like date, like they're just, they're just similar human. What's the word? Like human. I don't know why I'm blanking on the word. So, but it's like the similar types of things to connect and to connect with humans and influence humans. It's like, it's, it's all there with business, with your personal life, with dating, mm -hmm. with sales. We're people. The common denominator to everything is that we're people and it's human connection. So it does make sense that it would be that way. And I, I just wonder why in certain situations, car salesmen or, you know, going to these certain cultures where it's all about the push and the manipulation. Yeah. I just wonder what, what that is because it's, they, they're still doing it. It's still a tactic. So it must work. Although it's just, it, it, yeah, not very I would say that that falls a little bit more on the category of like the difference between manipulation versus influence. I also think it's, this is a whole nother topic, maybe for another, another <laughs> podcast conversation, but I do wonder sometimes like the personal development type advice, I'm, I'll explain how this all connects, but the personal development type advice that we get from all the great people out there, the Lewis Howes and everybody, 
I wonder how much of that is real for people in third world countries or for half the world who like doesn't necessarily have like running water and food every day. And like, you really only like they're like, they have to hustle that day yeah. to make just enough to bring home food for the family. And so, so it's like I one of those things I always struggle with where it's kind of like a lot of advice is really good for people who are already in a certain situation. And I'm not trying to make excuses that people who come from who people who came from poverty can't go on and, and, and be successful. And I'm not saying that people who came from a little bit of money, that's the only reason they're successful. I completely do not agree with that. I know people who were born very rich and they did nothing with their lives. I know people who were born rich and they multiplied that because of their work ethic. So I, I don't subscribe to that, but I do wonder how much of that is transferable to other societies. And so I bring this up is like, if you are a, an account executive at a software company, a software startup, or you're a founder trying to grow your business, I would recommend, yeah, you should not bring a needy energy in there. And maybe you still shouldn't if you're at like the, you know, the market in Morocco. But I also have never been in a position where like, my family does not eat tonight if I don't get this done. Yeah. I know I've yes. been like years ago, been in points where I'm like, oh man, it's gonna be hard to pay rent this month and I'm gonna hustle harder. But I haven't had this like do or die type of thing because I just haven't lived in that environment. Right. It, I'm so glad that you brought that up because all, a lot of this is definitely the privileged world. Manifestation, law of attraction. I believe in it of, you yeah. know, for everyone on some level, but we are in a position that we have the awareness, time, resources to then create what we want essentially even if we don't yeah. come from from much we can also and and we're american i mean yeah you and i yeah. so so that alone and uh, <clears throat> so I, it it does it does come from a certain place these the way yeah. we show up for sure and that that needy that like my life my family everything depends on that then of course it creates yeah. much different yeah so thanks for pointing that out so this so to add to that I am not an expert on this topic. And so I'm, I'm really not trying to like, oh, go down this mm -hmm. path. But it was an interesting comment that I heard from a friend of mine who is from South America and did not grow up with much at all. Okay. And was grinding from an early age through her teens. And she was like, one day she said, and I'm, I'm just the messenger. I hope your audience doesn't like shoot me for this. She was like, I, she, she said something around the line, along the lines of that. It was like a lot of the things, you know, depression and things that of that nature, she was like, almost was like, those are almost kind of like first world problems. Yeah. And I, and I, and I've battled with it myself and I've had many family members who struggle with depression too. I'm not minimizing that at all. It's very real. But she was like, I did not have time to feel bad for myself. I did not have time to like, She's like, we literally had to put food on the table. There was no time for this. Yeah. And she moved to America and, and she had her own challenges with depression as she started to do better in her career and start make more money. And then a lot of the American type of things started to stress her out, her quotas and, and stresses of living around here and challenging relationships and things of that nature. And so I'm not saying no one in these places is depressed or depression is not real. I'm absolutely not saying any of that, but she was just one of those like, I didn't have time to feel bad for myself. We had it's so kids true. to feed. I was like, that's a really crazy observation. And yeah, I wonder if there's something there. I don't know. 
Absolutely. I think that there's probably a lot of statistics on that because there has to be just the, well, I think the U.S. alone is the most, you know, the medication and all of the the drugs and everything. It's like rampant right. because of the, the affluence and just the accessibility and the time, again, to like worry about when you don't have the basics. If you're, if you're, if the basics are t- taken care of, then your problems just get, you know, different, different. Right. Um, yeah. They're still real. Yeah. Right. And so it's different. I don't know if that yeah. was like a touchy subject that I shouldn't have brought up. No, but. not, not at all. I think it's so important because, and I've always found, and, and I'm assuming you've been to countries like this as well. It's like you, you see people with nothing and they are pretty much again, from the outside looking in, in a very, you know, bite-sized moments, but they're happier. Yeah. Much I happier. was just in St. Lucia in mm-hmm. the Caribbean last week and any of the neighborhoods we drove by our taxi driver, Noy, awesome guy. So he's born and raised there his whole life. And any of the neighborhoods that we drove by, we were asking him like, Oh, so like, what's this is the name of this town? He's like, Oh, fishing village. Oh, so fun. We do the, I think it's like the fish fish fry or something. I'm blanking on the name, but they all get together once a week and they cook. And like every single house was completely like a rundown shack. Yeah. And everyone's kind of like hanging around the street and walking around. There's vendors and markets and stuff like that. And so what we would call like poor. Mm -hmm. And I just kept asking him, I didn't make the connection. I just said, Hey, so are people generally happy here? Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. Very happy here. And I was like, even in like in this town too, like even maybe even some of the people who might not have as much because he, you know, he had, he had his taxi service. So he had like a business, but like the general consensus from asking a number of people that over the time that I was there is like, people were generally pretty happy. Yeah. And I'm talking like, they looked next to homeless in the way that they were living in their clothes and things like that. And so again, no judgment. We were there like, this is amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely it's, beautiful. It was very simple, very peaceful. Yes. The simplicity. I think it's yeah. like they're around each other, you know, family, friends. I always feel that we're also isolated in our, you know, yeah. our, um, in our little worlds, in our cars, in our offices and all that. And then it's like, imagine you're with your family and friends all the time. That could be also hard, but yeah, you're, living, exactly. you're living, you know, yes. like the essence of that. So I know. Yeah. You know what I... I just noticed, and this is like not uncommon for me to just like derail a conversation, but I never actually answered your first question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of like my story or anything. And I know. so oh, I was going to bring it back. Don't worry. Okay, but yeah. cool. No, take it. That's my nature. Where... I'm like, I know you asked me this, but watch this. We're going to talk about this over here. <laughs> so much for communication skills. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'm the same. I'm like, let's start 12 conversations. Yeah, exactly. Not finish any of them. I love okay, it. So did you, I was, I, I guess I kept picturing like, Okay. You said you were in the arts. Were you in theater arts at all? Anything no, like that? I, no, because I was uh, just too worried about getting made fun of and being like, I, I, I guess that maybe a lot of people this way or not, but I was just worried about like, I didn't want to get bullied or made fun of. So I didn't do a lot of things that I was maybe just embarrassed of trying. And then also when I was younger, I was embarrassed of failing publicly. It took me longer. It was, it was weird. It's not in every area of my life, <clears throat> but a number of areas where I felt like, cause I was naturally talented. I should be like so good at something. And then when I, if I didn't do good, I would retreat in certain areas. It's something that like, okay. it's, it held me back in the beginning of my career in my twenties mm-hmm. where I would like 
be a rock star real early on in sales jobs. And then I would get like kind of over it. But then I'd also kind of like not want to compete in case I failed. And, and it was something I had to learn through like a lot of, I did a lot of like hardcore personal growth type, like seminars and coaches and stuff that really changed my life, like massively. And one of those things, one of the things I had to learn was that where I really just had to come to terms with is like, it really is okay to, to try and fail. And it's like, now I love doing that. Now I have like no embarrassment about embarrassing myself. I just like, <laughs> I don't care at all, but I used to. So you've been yeah. in sales since, since your forever. first job. Oh, forever. Yeah. Okay. So, and, I mean, and, I, yeah. I started, I would like sell candy when I was little. I started a landscaping business when I was like, I think 12 or 13. I printed flyers and I walked around the neighborhood and put them in everybody's mailboxes. I got a couple of clients that way and knocked on a lot of doors. And I'm like, hi, I'm Alex. Can I mow your lawn? And they're like, yeah, this kid's going to fuck my lawn up. <laughs> and I used to drive my dad's riding mower down the street like on the street and cars had to pass wow. me and I'd pull into the neighborhood. And then my friend, Kenny, he weed whacked and he would walk behind me and he would always like be like walking all slow and all pissed off. We charged $35. I took 20. He took 15. I had a snow shoveling business. I had a paintball business that was all in high school. And then, and then after what's that, side, where did that come from? Parents? Like, where did you get that from? Yeah, I guess my dad, my dad did a pretty good job of like making me do yard work and chores. And he kind of did one of those things where he was like, I'll pay you to mow the lawn, but you can't not mow the lawn. So I'll pay you to do it. But like, if you put up a fuss, then you're going to do it and you're grounded. You're not getting paid. It was one of those, like, don't complain about it. But like, if you do it, I'll teach you that you can earn money for doing work. And then there was like all these chores around the house. There's a whole laundry list. And the more money that I wanted to make, I could just do more chores. I don't remember where this, the entrepreneurial spirit came from. I think it was just kind of naturally there. Like, I just felt like, like, I'm, I remember everyone was obsessed with warheads, those little sour candies in sixth grade. And I was like, oh, I'm going to sell warheads. Like, I just like, that was where my mind went for some reason. That I'm um, always fascinated by that. Just where, yeah. as, as such, like, so young, thinking of making money and doing, I guess you have like a lemonade stand. That's kind of the first. Business. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but... So you then went through high school earning money in these businesses. Yeah. When you said you were unsure, you didn't have the resources, uh, the help that you needed at that time, were you asking for guidance and not really getting it? Or did, did it just feel like, okay, now you're off on your own and good luck and be... When do you mean? Like in, in high school or in college like go, or adult life? Yeah. Or? Just going in those first couple of years of, of being on your own, maybe you went to college and after yeah that. so college was really weird because so i was like very you know in, into like photography art drawing i was in our honor society but otherwise school is very very hard for me i i kind of pretty much had like undiagnosed adhd and so like it was only until a few years ago that was i kind of like that makes a lot of sense but <laughs> like and so yeah and i felt really and then i formed all these like bad uh, beliefs about myself in school that I was stupid and all these things. It was, it was just like so hard for me to get good grades in subjects I didn't naturally care about or in teachers who weren't engaging. Teachers who were engaging, straight A's, I like, didn't even need to study because I would just pay attention. I would be so focused in their class. And so, you know, some of like be the help I wish I had. Some of that in high is I wish I had someone in high school 
to be like, you know, you know, like the education system is not the end all be all just because you can get good letter grades does not determine exactly how you're going to pan out in your adult life. But instead I formed this idea that I was like, I'm stupid. And so then I started to live into that where I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm skipping class. And I was kind of like a little bit of a rebel kid, not terrible, but like my default was to be like, I'm not doing homework and I'm going to be like kind of the bad kid. I like, I like just realized by looking back that that's what I was doing. And then, and then college was weird because I, I had good grades cause I was in honors art classes. And so if I got an A in that, it was actually a 5.0 instead of a 4.0. So when it was time to apply for college, I was like, I kind of have like a weirdly good GPA. All my friends are like, how the hell do you have, what? You're like a C student. How do you have like a three, four? Like, what the heck is going on? And so it was from all that for the most part. And so I went to a pretty good school. I went to Quinnipiac University in, in Connecticut. And I didn't really know what I was looking for in a college. And it was not a school like I didn't really get it. It was like, it's a private school. I'm not a private school kind of, kind of guy. It's a great school. It's a beautiful campus, but I felt very out of place because I felt like, you know, at the time I was really big into skateboarding, snowboarding, and surfing. When you get there, that's like not cool. Like literally people would make fun of me for skateboarding down mm. like dorm road. I'm like, what? Like skateboarding's the shit. I'm, I can't believe I'm getting made cool. fun of right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> By the way, a lot of life lessons learned in skateboarding too, because all you do is fall and eat shit 5,000 times in a row until you finally land a trick and it's the best feeling in the entire world. But more on that on another conversation, right? So I share this because I feel like I, I like lost myself in college. I was trying to fit in. I, I, you know, I was trying to make friends, but the people there, I felt like it was just hard for me to make friends for some reason. They just didn't really feel like my people, which is a lot my story. You know, because I did make a lot of friends anyway, but I still felt like I, I, I just, I also decided that like I had to stop with the creative and artistic stuff because it wasn't like practical for a career. So I was like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's time to grow up now. So go find that, yeah. you know, traditional white collar corporate path after, after school. And so like I threw a lot, I stopped drawing, I stopped doing photography proper with like a dark room and a real camera. I mean, I still do like iPhone stuff, but like I just dropped a lot of that. But what I am extremely grateful for about Quinnipiac in that time period was I was equal parts like trying to find myself and then like kind of losing myself in some some capacities or in some respects or whatever. But also and, and then like, again, school is very hard for me, but I had this class uh, called emotional intelligence in the workplace. Amazing. That's back great. then. Right. And I remember all the finance and econ mm. kids were like, what is this stupid stuff? Airy fair is. And I was like. This is the shit. Ding. Yeah, I was like, and so the light wow. bulb went off for me just naturally. I was just inclined. The professor is uh, Robert Halliday. So if you ever hear this, hello, thank you. Hello, Bob. So we learned about self-awareness. It was all, uh, we basically studied like Daniel Goleman and some of those other folks or, you know, like, you know, like the godfather of emotional intelligence. And we would study all of this and then we had to implement it in a, in a student project in class. And the whole thing was about expanding your self-awareness and your communication skills and your teamwork and all this. It's like amazing, right? It's like so progressive ahead of its time. And I was obsessed. I was just like, this is so fascinating. So I became obsessed with learning about that all as much as that as I could. So my free time was like reading psychology stuff. And, and in hindsight, I probably should have been like an IO psych major, but I didn't really know that was available to me. And then I went to work as a student team consultant in this class. 
So now I'm a paid consultant and I'm observing the students and their teams and we're taking notes and giving them feedback reports and we're helping them grow. And, and, and while you're helping them grow, you're growing and there's just so much growth happening. It's crazy. And so for me, I was like, this is my chance to be smart after a whole, you know, sort of middle school, but definitely high school and college of feeling otherwise pretty stupid. And then I had a lot of friends and family in my life who were like straight A's and go to Ivy League and all that. So I felt even dumber compared to them. And now all of a sudden I'm like, this world EQ and communication skills and people is important. And I can actually make the connection already that this could be the most important thing I learned in my career. And I'm decently good at it. And I care about it. Holy crap. I could be smart in this, right? My, whatever that means. And so I became obsessed and I use that as the kind of foundation for me to go on to get, I literally got every job offer for any interview. I'm like 21. <laughs> I crushed interviews. I got good job offers. I, you know, most of them were in some sales capacity, financial advising, which is basically, you know, just selling financial products. The whole progression of the career, I just, that was my thing was I was like, I'm going to be a great communicator. I'm going to learn how to connect with people. And then when I get hired, I'm going to, it was a sales type function. And so I became obsessed with studying the product, the industry, and then my pitch and my presentation. So my thing was I could get really good really quickly. And it was really because behind the scenes, I was just practicing nonstop. And so it always led to me being like very quickly becoming the coach or the mentor for new hires after me. And so in this whole, during this whole time, I was selling, I was just using my people and communication skills. I wasn't really like diving into any sales training per se. I look back on my career and I wish that I had some more formal sales training earlier, but my whole thing was the people side of it. And so what I also found was that I, my creative side was not being met. And so I started to feel these like really deep lows in my career where I would go through ruts where I was just feeling totally lost. And so it was like on paper, I'm doing well at this company and, you know, doing fine. Like my friends and family think I'm doing fine, but deep down, I'm like pretty depressed, feeling pretty lost, feeling very stuck. And I'm like, this can't be it. Like, there's no way this is it. At least for me, I'm not judging anyone in any path that they're on if they like their path. And so for some people, the corporate world's great and it's perfect. It meets the things that you care about to help you provide for your family or whatever. For me, like I rather go homeless trying to do something I cared about and fail than never try and never know. That's just how I'm wired. And I'm sitting here like, I remember calling my dad. I'm like, dad, I, this, this can't be it. This is it. The next 35 years, 40 years is this, I just do this thing that I don't really care about. And they came from a different generation. So they were kind of like, yeah, yeah kind of, <laughs> you know, he always had great advice for me. I'm not like throwing him under the bus, but like, you know, he came from a little more old school style. And so financially, was it, was it, comfortable, like you're living well, you could do the things you wanted to do, live where you wanted to live, but it was just this deeper yearning for creativity or what yeah. was it? Yeah, it's exactly that. Okay. It was like a little bit of being a little depressed, but also a little bit of lack of discipline. And then also just losing interest. Like my attention started to go elsewhere as my sales, I would always like crush it and then get kind of like, ah, there's, I wonder if there's something else out there for me. Oh, wait, wait, I got to get my number back up. Okay. I'm doing well. I'm doing well again, uh, but could I be an entrepreneur? But to answer your question. So financially, I was always doing fine. My bills were paid. I was saving some money. Like it was all good. I mean, I lived in San Diego on the beach. I was surfing all the time. I was originally from New Jersey. So to be in San Diego was just like mind blowing. And so 
it was all good. But yeah, deep down the, the creativity and the other things that are very important to me were not being met. And so I just little by little just became like really down about it. And then in April of 2015, I was in a major car accident and I almost hesitate to tell the story because I didn't have any major injuries. And I know, and I, I had like some survivor's guilt because so many people had the same accident and die or are paralyzed or way worse than me. And I was just like a little, you know, achy for like a week, just by, by some crazy luck. But I was making a left turn through a green arrow and some young gal was texting and driving. She ran her red light at 50 miles an hour, just crashed right into my passenger side. My car is destroyed. I mean, it was, it was a crazy wow. accident. And so that night I went home, I, I looked deeply at my life and I was just like, I could have died tonight. And I kept like having a flash of, you know, that when you get some really horrible news from someone who is in your past and you get a phone call from someone and they're like, Hey, Willow, do you remember Alex from high school? Remember that guy? Like, yeah, oh, he yeah, died in a car accident yeah. last night. Because I had, unfortunately, had received that news a number of times. Mm -hmm. And it just like stopped me in my tracks. I remember where I was for all those phone calls. And I had one of those that it was like, how would my dad have found out about this? How would my mom have found out about oh, this? My sister, yeah. what's that? It, I, I just thought about it so deeply, though. I wasn't like, oh, man, that was crazy. Anyway, back, you know, back to my normal life. I sat there and I like thought about that. I was like, that's how quickly and easily things like that can happen. Mm -hmm. which just eat like equal parts pissed me off. Like, really, I can like eat healthy and work out and be a good friend and work hard. And then someone texting and driving can end my life. I was like, it's what? Insane. The, the whole, but this. Yeah. It's yeah, it's crazy. So but then the, the other side of it, I was like, all right, well get busy living. And am I doing exactly what I want to do right now? No. What if I knew I was going to die and a month or a year, what, how would I live my life? And so I became obsessed with that, like obsessed. Like I was like, probably not enjoyable to be around because that was all I, I was like, I need to find answers for myself. And I want to figure out how people are supposed to find answers for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started to revisit all this EQ stuff from college, because all of it is in the self-awareness. I believe everything you want in life is on the other side of deepening your self-awareness. And I'll make a case for that for investing for the people who want financial freedom and passive income and for the people who want a meaningful relationship with a spouse or be able to sell and start a business, I have a case for it. So come talk to me. But, yeah. and so, <laughs> so I went all in on this. I was just yeah. like, who am I really? Mm -hmm. What do I really care about? How do I design a life around that? And I learned that so much of it is just trying the things that you're curious about. And I was like, I'm just gonna start there. And I already had an idea for a, a company that I wanted to start a product that I wanted to start. And so I just started there and I used that. And I was like, all right, at least I have this creative vehicle now while I'm in this other sales job. But I became so motivated after that car accident that I just quit my job a few weeks later. Wow. And I just like, I drove Uber. I got my expenses super low. I lived off of mm -hmm. savings. I cashed out a bunch of company stock and I was like good for almost a year just working on this, this uh, side hustle turned business because I was like, I don't really care what happens otherwise, but I need to try things that are that I'm curious yeah. about. Otherwise I'm slowly dying inside. Is that your company now? No, good started? question. That was, that evolves the third go. So okay. the, that, that company just quickly, it was an apparel product idea. Cause again, like the creative side mm -hmm. of me, I have ideas in all these different spaces. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I started another company that was like in the personal development space with my friend, 
And we had an interesting go at that, but we ran into all sorts of manufacturing challenges. And then I, you know, continued in the path of self-awareness of like, what do I really want? What do I care about? And I kept just trying to like design my career and carve my own fucking path. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed away from the corporate world. I went into the startup world. And if I look back on my career, even though I was selling, I was also coaching and training all these sales folks. And I loved that. My sales style is very educational and consultative. So I went in consulting to just like learn more about this industry. And while I was in consulting, I was like, oh, this is the shit. These people are awesome. And like, there's good money here. And I feel like I'm just a glorified teacher, really, you know? And so that's how I pieced all that together. And so then the pandemic happened. Our company got acquired anyway, but I got laid off in 2020. And... I would have liked to stay at that company for a few more years and keep learning. But instead, I think, you know, it was maybe the universe just kind of being like, hey, this is the time right now. Go start this thing. And so I started Evolve just there, right on the spot. I picked the name in like five minutes. I was like, I really always, I like this name. Is it taken? It was taken by like 10 other companies. I was like, ah, I could be an 11th. Who cares? No one assume me. There's like so many Evolve leaderships. Out is there? there. <laughs> yeah. Nothing but it's is okay. Nothing. We'll, what's that? Nothing is original. Yeah, seriously. You know. And my buddy Scotty was at LinkedIn getting absolutely worked. He was in sales ops at LinkedIn working on like, you know, 20 hour, like 18 hour days, like legit, just nightmare. And so I was like, dude, leave there. Come be my business partner. We've been talking about starting companies together since we were like 11 or 12. Seriously. So cool. Like yeah. we, we always talked about like one day we're going to start a business together. I was like, Scott, this is it. Just come join me. Be my co-founder. And so now here we are a year later and we're doing like a big push for creating a larger community and focusing more on communication skills training. So that's kind of like the, the next evolution of where Evolve is going to go. But it's just been fun as hell. I work on the thing I think is the most interesting with the people I, I love the most. Like my partners and clients are my best friends. It's like, Dream. it's awesome. Seriously. That's, and that's yeah, like, and like, yeah. Hard so. to create, I think, because you could talk about 11 years old making a business together and then yeah. making it a reality and actually enjoying it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's, yeah, we enjoy it every day. We love it. We work our asses off. I mean, it's like, but I, but I really, it's like, I, I don't care that I finish work at like nine or 10 o'clock at night on most weekdays. Cause I just like what I'm working on. If I were to tell the 26 year old version of me that I wouldn't believe that that would even <laughs> yeah, right. be available. I'm like, do you know how stuck I am? There's no way that's true for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, Wow, that is that's definitely living the dream. I think that's my definition of it. Loving what you do, yeah, if, inspiring people. If no, it feels yeah. good, it feels exciting, and then there's also like the realities of life that you know we want to create a really strong financial foundation and future by making you know earning a good amount, investing it right, and so it feels like we love where we're at but we, we care very deeply and we're very, very, very focused on building and revenue and we're yeah. not too willy nilly about it. And so there's both of those where it's like, ah, oh, like this is awesome, but it's also like fucking go time every day. Yeah. And <laughs> you it's know, only it's, one year in. So it's like, we're only one year in. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's expensive out there. I live in Miami. <laughs> my rent's going up like crazy. You said you were wanting to leave Miami potentially. Um, were you mentioning that? Yeah. Well, so I think it's, it's more like, 
I still feel insatiably curious about other, about living in other places, even if it's just for like two to three months at a time. What about Colombia? What about Argentina? What about Croatia? What about all, like, I just want to be all over the place. I can't help it. So, yes. but you're in Portugal, right? I am. I mean, Long so time. you get it. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. How's well, Portugal? Yeah. Portugal's pretty great. It's, I've been here five years. It's a long mm. time. And I moved awesome. when I it, lay off, started traveling a lot and thinking, I just, why well, was in San Francisco, <clears throat> wanted to live differently. And yeah. I felt so insecure about that because I didn't fit in. I felt like I didn't like want to climb these uh, ladders or, you know, go on this path that I thought was the right path. Yeah, Whatever I that hear means. you. So then making that decision, I've only lived here. I haven't lived other places and I rarely travel because I feel like living in a, another country satisfies that need there you go be traveling a lot i love that now i mean working from home was the thing that was kind of looked down on like you work from home and you know it was just not necessarily a feasible thing so yeah. i'm really inspired by people that are living where they want to live instead of where they feel like they should yeah that they have to you know if they have kids that are you know needing to be in a certain place so i just i love the unconventional lifestyle for sure design it how you want yes. where you want to live and, you are you are yeah. speaking my language, my friend. I feel the exact same way. I remember feeling so insecure about that when I when I left the corporate world the first time and I was working on that jacket. I remember like this could be my own story and maybe none of this like is even true, but I felt very judged by my other friends who were stay who were still in the corporate world in these various sales roles, making six figures in their mid twenties. And I'd be like, "How's the jacket idea? What are you What are you doing now?" <laughs> You know, like, and maybe it's also possible they weren't even really like that. But in my, I was so insecure. I was like, what did I just do? Oh my God. But yeah. they so say, then, I mean, there's, yeah. there's that quote that it's like, you know, if you're looking around the office and you, and nothing, no one there necessarily, I don't want to, how do I say this? Like the path forward, the path to look up to did not inspire me. Yeah. Like it was like, you could be manager and then you could be VP and you could do all these things. And I was like, I don't want that office. I don't want that stupid company car. I don't mm -hmm. really like th this is not the path that I see. And then I'd talk to other entrepreneurs who are traveling the world. They had ran their businesses online. They were investing in real estate and they had these unconventional lifestyles. And I was like, how do you do that? I want to learn that. But then I chased the shiny object a little too quickly. I got the proverbial like life punch in the face and realized what I needed to focus on was more on the skill development and knowledge development and consistency and accountability. Man, like of all of the like morning routine and meditate and all these things that are all good and fine, I wish the non-sexy ones were the, were the ones that people talked about the most. Like discipline. it's mostly discipline, <laughs> consistency, a lot of like boring shit, yep, <laughs> like not so that true. exciting, like <laughs> yes. boring tasks throughout the day for this like, and, and everyone's like, it's like green Lambo on Instagram. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> or maybe it is. And I just, am not that good. I don't know how to figure that out, but like, it's the nope. non-sexy advice that people don't really want to hear. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to manifest this. Like, that's true. You could do that by mm -hmm. doing these things daily, every day and kind of sucking yeah. at them for a while until you get better and better and better and better. But Anyway, it's so true. I digress a little bit, but no, it's, it's so true. And that's the things, and especially young people, that's what they're sold. I meet so many young people. Yeah. Like, I don't want to work. I don't want to have like a shitty job or do this. I'm like, you know, put flyers out. To, you know, yeah. for, it's just, it's a totally different world.
using Microsoft clip yeah. art, a clip art of a cartoon lawnmower. <laughs> Resnick landscaping. Exactly. I mean, I just yeah, I feel like day. you gotta like you gotta eat a little bit of shit. Also to appreciate it when it's better. But like, I don't know. Like, I honestly, I'm so grateful for all of the career things that I had, even though at the time they were like out of alignment of who I truly was. Like when I was a financial mm -hmm. advisor, I was very, I was be, being very inauthentic because I wasn't passionate about the stock market and I was handling people's money. I was like, gosh, this isn't really me. But I look back on it. I, I learned so much from that job. I, when I went to software sales, I didn't want to climb the corporate ladder like a lot of my peers did and have gone on to be wildly successful and happy doing so. It's not like I felt like I'm right. You know, it's like, and they're wrong. It's just what's in alignment for you. That's all. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. For some reason, or for some people, the corporate world is great. For other people, entrepreneurship is great. For other people, entrepreneurship is a terrible idea. Like it just, you have to, that's why self-awareness is so important. You need to know who you are and what your skill sets really are and what you really care about and make sure you're not just chasing the shiny object or keeping up with the Joneses. And so for me, when I was in those corporate roles, for example, and I felt a little bit stuck and I didn't want to climb the corporate ladder, I still am insanely grateful for the skills and the experience of that job or that, yeah, of that, of that you know, that uh, time in my career. Also for the things I didn't realize I was learning. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that you, yeah. like I remember going to the startup world and being like, oh, whoa, it is apparent that people here have like never been in the corporate world. Like communication was terrible. They're like emails were like poorly written. There's like no grammar. I'm like, I feel like you guys should like go pay your dues and then come start a startup or something. Like, holy crap. That's a, really, that's a good point too. It's like two totally different worlds. And then obviously yeah. if you don't know one world, you won't know what you don't want. It's like anything. You may think you want point. that thing, you experience it. And it sounds like you've done so many things. And I just, your story is, is inspirational on many levels. And I think ultimately, oh, thank you. it's like you've, you knew these things about yourself a long time ago, and then you're just coming. It's like, it's all come back full circle. Yeah. It was like a massive full circle that sometimes I'm like, man, you, you really needed to wait until you were like 33, 34 to have the confidence in yourself to go do these things. But like, it kind of needed to happen that way. Like yes. I know other people who were yeah. confident and equipped to do it at 22 or 25. My, my path with that's, that was not my path. I had to go learn some things the hard way. I had to redevelop some, you know, life muscles, if you will, around things that I had let fall by the wayside. I, I went through periods of my life where I was very, very disciplined and hardcore focused. And I went through mm -hmm. periods where my like, you know, I'm 22, 23, 24, making good enough money. And I was like, I'm just going to like chill in San Diego and like surf. And then all of a sudden that caught up with me and that no longer served me. And I needed to get my ass back in gear. Mm -hmm. And now it's like night and day from who I was then. I love this version of myself more, but it's funny because I was also kind of this way in my teens, you know, with my businesses. But so it's life ebbs and flows. And I think the reflection on everything is again, back to not to beat a dead horse, but the self-awareness piece is so important. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how did it go today? What's out of alignment? What do I really care about? What conversations let me up? For you is it checking in with and asking yourself those questions. And what else? How do you yeah, do it's the check. Yeah, it's kind of like this. Self-awareness is interesting because there's kind of like two, there's like two prongs to it. It's checking in with yourself. How are you really feeling? Who am I really? What do I really care about? From like more of like that deeper level, but then also even on like a day-to-day -day or week-to-week. Like, how did things go this week? What did I like about my work? What didn't I like? 
what like a question that I ask a lot of clients and everybody is what are the things that you're good at that also give you energy? Mm, that's a great right? one. There's a lot of things that we're good at that don't really energize us. That's not where your whole job should be around because you're still going to go home feeling a little exhausted or uh, not, but drained, you know, like emotionally and mentally. If you can get a lot of your work around the things that give you energy. And for me, it's largely around communicating with people. So I know if I have, I literally am looking at meetings from 10 to 7 PM on my calendar. <laughs> oh God. I and feel bad for a lot, <laughs> that fires me up. Yeah. You're an extrovert I, as well, obviously. So it's like your energy is from people. I'm the same, but like it's. Yeah. I yeah. Intro, extroverted introvert or something like that. Cause around the wrong people, I'm like, oh yeah. my God, get me out of here. And crowds are also still like, people think I would be much better in crowds than I am, but. Um, Different. It's more like, because it's, it's the connection. Connection gives you energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. So the connect, so if I'm with the right three, five, 10 people, I come alive. Like I feel like yeah. connection here, this is real. But other people where I don't feel the connection, I like can't really fake it. And then my friends who know me are like, oh no, we're gonna like, cause I, I they're like, Alex is gonna, Alex is pissed. <laughs> but like, not really. Hide, uh, I can't hide it. I'm like, hmm, cool. That was a good joke. You're real clever. Anyway, <laughs> but to answer your question, it's like, it's that side of things of, of the check-in. Who am I? What do I care about? How are things going? What energizes me around which people what are the types of conversations? I love talking about big ideas and business and creative things. I, I can't even listen to gossip for four seconds. Mm. It like makes my skin crawl. I can't like, it's why a lot of the news, I feel like if you look at the language of the news, a lot of it, and on any side, it uses manipulative language to start yeah. to, to, to trigger emotions in people. Mm -hmm. Most of it is gossip. Yes, you want to be caught up on what's going on in the world and the markets and your money and important environmental issues and social issues, of course. But you got to pay attention to the language of how it's starting to sadly like manipulate people into things. Mm -hmm. Also, when you listen to people just gossip in their conversations, right? They want to talk about this person at work and he or she did this and this and that. If that's the majority of their conversation, that's coming from a deeper place too. It's all, but what I've learned is it's not something that I'm drawn to. People want to talk about ideas. There's no idea that can weird me out or that I would judge or think is weird because I am pretty weird. So I love all this shit. <laughs> and so the other thing about it too, is on the other side of that coin of self-awareness. And then even like, you know, as I know self-awareness falls under the umbrella of emotional intelligence, but I like to separate them. I have my reasons is how am I showing up for others? And so you know, you don't want to do it to the point where you're like insecure and you're like over, you're overthinking yourself and your communication. I think people can mm -hmm. fall into that trap. But the way I like to think about it, and this is a big piece of emotional intelligence is like, am I showing up in an empathetic understanding way? That's like the first place. Can I just start there? Because if you could start there, you actually create a place for trust. Mm -hmm. And if you can create a, a, a space for trust and you have a foundation built on trust, even if it's quickly, or, or I mean, in like a short period of time, even if it's like a five or 10 minute conversation, that person walks away being like, that person had like good vibes. That person really got me. Like, I feel like, you know, like mm -hmm. they might not even really know what it was, but you can do that intentionally by just paying attention, being empathetic, trying to understand where someone's coming from. And that's like kind of the give it, biggest gift you could give to somebody. It's also the most, it's the most effective way to influence what you want in your life is helping other people, or I'm sorry, making other people feel heard and understood biggest thing. And so, those, so that's, 
Yeah, it's like you don't even need to have the gift to gab down. You don't need to be an extrovert. You don't need to be the funniest this or this. Or that. If you could just be this like calm, patient, curious person who's just trying to understand people in the moment and you're paying attention to them, you give people so much more than what's really that's being said on the surface, you know? And so Definitely. all of that is all kind of, you know, that's all kind of like the melting pot that I, I think about when I think about self-awareness. And when I think about emotional intelligence, I focus on just a few key pillars mm -hmm. that are kind of like, like the Pareto's principle, right? Like the 80, 20, this is the 20% to focus on. That'll get you like the 80% of the way there. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's empathy, what I like to call empathetic listening. And I just call it that instead of active listening, because I find that people, when they think active listening, they focus too much on the body language to appear that they are listening and they're not really paying attention. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. You just nailed it on that. Yes. Seriously. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Like, what the, like <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah Willow, cool. Thanks. Willow. Very nice. Well, you're like, stop. And like, so empathy. That is a, that's a good point. Actually. I like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be and, so active. Yeah. And so, and then, and then other like super, super important elements to it. Emotional regulation, also called self-regulation mm. or emotion. I'm sorry, emotional management or self-regulation. They're kind of interchangeable. I think maybe some EQ professor will yell at me if I'm getting it wrong, but that's kind of how I make sense of it where it's like, can I stay calm, cool, and collected, even if I hear something or experience something that would otherwise be a trigger. And so if you feel that trigger come on, can I actually just take a pause and just observe for a second and be like, hmm, that thing made me feel frustrated. Right now I feel pretty mm -hmm. frustrated. I wonder where that's coming from. It's usually coming from some deeper rooted thing. Mm -hmm. But the ability to strengthen the muscle around coming back to a calm place. So felt the trigger, but I can actually come back. I heard this thing I don't like, but I can actually stay neutral. And then replacing an emotionally charged reaction with a calm response, oftentimes a question or an empathetic statement of like, huh, okay, well, where's that coming from? Tell me a little bit more. Why do you ask? Or like in sales, it helps massively, right? When you hear an objection, sales reps get rattled. Oh, well, we can do this internally. Okay. Yeah, maybe you can. Just curious. Have you tried doing it internally? Not like, well, the reason that you, you shouldn't is because our product features and benefits, right? Mm -hmm. So that like strengthening that muscle of recognizing the trigger and coming back to a calm, neutral place gives you such a better, more effective way to communicate and such a better path forward than the emotional charged conversation that, that you start butting, you know, you, you guys start yeah. to like butt heads or butt like energies almost. Right. And so the, like, that's the way that I, that I really try to look at it is like the self-awareness piece for me, how am I showing up for others? And then with that, can I be empathetic and just kind of stay calm and be very present with this person? And you get so far with just that right there. And I can't help but think that you're pretty amazing in relationships. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, are you? Are well, you that's my girlfriend. She's, she thinks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, everything you just said, it's like you're, those are. I guess it's across the board, you know, with this type of, yeah. so maybe that's your next relationship yeah. coach. I will say that like, we, you know, just cause you brought that up. We really, we don't have these like blow up arguments mm -hmm. and we can actually like talk about each other that we're like, all right, well, right now it's, I feel like we're not understanding each other. So let's talk about it. Or if we need a little time to cool off and come back to it, it's fine. But we, we do have like a pretty honest, open, solid communication between us. And I definitely would, you know, I'll take a little bit of credit for that, but we're both working on it.
but in the beginning it was a little bit more like she you know she had other relationships in the past where she, maybe she didn't feel as safe to do that and i could give her what mastin kip calls like a disconfirming experience where she would do something and would expect an argument yeah. expect me to yell expect me to leave expect me to abandon her expecting these things and instead i'm staying here i'm like no babe i'm still here let's talk about it what's going on and she's like it's almost like mm -hmm. oh oh, okay, I can just talk to this guy. Okay, he's not going anywhere. It's actually like listening. That's weird. All right. You know, <laughs> like, like I really love that. Mastin, Mastin Kip talks about this disconfirming experience. And the more someone gets a disconfirming yeah. experience, they can actually start to feel safer around you. And mm -hmm. be like, it's like the, you know, the puppy in the, in the orphan or the, in like the rescue shelter that was used to getting yeah. beat up. And now all of a sudden these people are very nice. And they're like, wait a second, I'm not getting hit. I'm actually getting fed. I'm getting treats. I'm getting love. And they start to heal and Mm -hmm. build trust again i've not used that term or heard that term but it's it's like rewiring everything yeah exactly right yep rewiring yeah that's great yeah so what are you most proud of up until this point oh, man um these are these are the types of questions, questions where <laughs> where it's like the old insecure me would have like a problem answering this and i clearly probably still do because i'm pausing i'm uh, <laughs> no, take, i mean it could be in any in any with all due humility like i feel part of me feels like i'm just getting started and i have so much more to go that i'm so excited about but i do feel pretty proud of the fact that like you know i've overcome some very very challenging personal things over the last few years that, you know, yeah, like leading into leading into COVID and then during the, the pandemic was just like very, very, very dark time and had a lot of challenging things going on behind the scenes that I was just like struggling with that I could separate myself from and not wrap my identity up into them. And, and I, and I was, I became like, before that, I was very hardcore in career. And then starting in 2020, I became very hardcore on like self-love, healing, compassion, and patience for myself. That also translated into me being even more, you know, patient and compassionate with others. And so to answer your question, like the things that I'm really proud of is I feel like I have had to overcome a number of challenges that most people are not aware of. And, and I also like, I felt so stuck earlier on in my career. And I feel like I have overcome a lot of that to get to basically have designed a life that like is very, very, very intentional, like down to the detail. Everything that I have right now are things that I've journaled over and over again. And I had on vision boards and I would speak into existence and they are all here now. And oh. it's, it's crazy. Like, not, and, and I'm not like, I have this perfect life and all these things. There's still, th there's still a lot of things that I'm aspiring towards. And so, and some of them are like financial. Some of them are materialistic. Like I love cars. I still want to be able to afford the Porsche 911. Like I just, you know, I still, you know, in a, in a reasonable way, not in like an extended way. I want to be able to be like, yes, like that's been a goal since I was five. Right. I, I want to have a loving relationship. I ultimately want to find a wife. I ultimately want to have a, like a family and all these things. I want a, a business with that's making a bigger impact than it is now. So I'm not like, oh, I've made it, but I'm at a place now where that's why I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm at a place now where it's like lifestyle design work, who, what I'm working on and with who, whom, whom, who, I don't know, <laughs> is 
all very, very, very intentional. And so I feel very proud of myself for that. What are you most looking forward to at this point? It's oh, a great question too. More, so more time with my family, my nephews, I've rebuilt a relationship with my sister, gotten closer, continued to get closer with my parents. And so like when I was in San Diego, I feel like I lost touch with family a little bit because you're, you know, on the opposite coast and time zones and all that. And so I feel like I'm really looking forward to deepening those relationships. I'm looking forward to impacting more people through my business because I just feel like, I mean, I would do this for free. I just feel like this work is really important. I feel like, you know, be the help you wish you had. Like it, it, it pains me to, when I meet people who are feeling stuck in areas of their career and their personal lives, especially if they're things that I have personally had to struggle with and I've kind of figured out a little bit of a path forward. I'm like, oh my God, I need to help this person. I, it's like a burning desire, you know? So another thing I'm really, you know, most looking forward to is the people that I haven't even met yet that are not aware of us yet, that I'm not aware of yet, that we're going to be able to help. And like, I honestly think change their lives. I know that might be like a little bit of a bold statement, but like, I am, I'm walking the walk and my clients so far, my business partner and other people in my life are like massive transformations because they started in this place of self-awareness, deepening these elements of emotional intelligence and becoming great communicators. And that also, you know, that connects, that's relationships. But that's also the relationship you have with yourself, right? I mean, I think everything starts there. That, yeah. And then from there, you show up in the world in a, in a different way. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, I mean, a lot of the way you show up for other people and maybe your whole experience of life has everything to do with the way that you kind of view yourself. You know, it's like you, the way you view yourself, the stories you tell yourself, the, the wounds that are not healed yet, mm -hmm. that's how you view the world. That's how you experience yeah. people. That's how you... Inter that's how you are in relationships and so, and you can hear it in people's language and you can see it in their body language and you can feel it in their energy mm -hmm. and so this self-awareness talk or, or work it's a lot deeper yeah it'll help you be better at sales and it'll help you run your business if you're an entrepreneur or communicate better if you're in a you know corporate america but it will like literally also change your life you know so sure i love have... i love this shit. <laughs> i can tell i mean I want to commend you on, I mean, just again, following this passion, this fire inside, because your energy is contagious. That's why you have been successful. And that's why you, you can, you will continue to be successful because of that. And you've Thank used you so this much. word a few times, obsession. Like I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. And I think if anything, that is also necessary. Yeah. A lot of the time. And because that yes. obsession almost, it doesn't feel like work, right? It's like, this is right. just what i'm what i'm into so okay how can people find you yeah evolve leadership on all social channels so linkedin instagram facebook and our website evolveleadership.co and youtube i'll and link YouTube. these as well yeah nice you thank you uh, yeah. YouTube videos up there you know thank you yeah we gotta your, grow that yeah yeah it's i'm sad one more thing right but i think Seriously. again putting your face out there more is, is the key. Yes. Well, personal yeah. Opinion. I, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. This has been fantastic. I, I can't thank so you enough. Fun. This has been awesome. Thank you really for sharing your story. And here we are almost two hours. Yeah. <laughs> keep <wow>. going. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. 
That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference for visibility. And even better, share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every other Wednesday. If you're interested in working together to elevate your online presence, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at whereiswillow. I also hang out on LinkedIn, Willow McDonough. Until then, cheers to carving your own fucking path. I love you.